Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. The central myth of Western culture was best expressed in the Middle Ages by Dante, his trilogy of the Inferno, Purgatorio, Paradiso, expresses very graphically, metaphorically, the three levels of consciousness. One could even say the three worlds from a certain perspective that the consciousness must traverse in its journey through time and space and its awareness of that which is beyond time and space. Now Dante's myth, however, presented the three uh, levels of reality, consciousness, psychological modalities of being, as a linear progression. That first you have to abandon all hope, ye who enter into the inferno, and you have to uh, do the shadow work, as Jung would call it, and uh, retrieve those aspects of your soul that had been sentenced to one hell realm or another, and there were many different circles of hell. And for Dante, I think very accurately, the center of hell was not burning hot, but was freezing cold. And it was that frozenness, the rigidity and the uh, fossilization, one could say, the fixated nature of uh, a, an ego that refuses to change, refuses to learn, and is stuck in an inauthentic pattern of behavior and thought. And a, a system that is frozen in place and will not allow new information, new ideas, new creative imagination, and new potentialities of consciousness to enter in and thaw out one's uh, stagnated and uh, cryogenically preserved and suspended animation soul. And it's this uh, frozenness at the center of hell that first must be thought out before one can get out of that realm. Now, there are other circles of hell, however, in which the consciousness is burning, indeed. 
burning with perverse desires that have become irresistible impulses that cannot be uh, stopped, that one has no control over, that produce karmic backlash and suffering. <clears throat> you know, we talk about jouissance as being a kind of enjoyment that produces suffering. But uh, Lacan is very clear in saying that the intention of jouissance is that the one who is acting it out has the enjoyment and he or she makes the other suffer. But it never works out that way. There's always a blowback. And the jouissance always includes the return of the projection and of the consequences of those projections karmically in order to free one from the illusory belief that was behind the projection. In a sense, all karma comes down to the need to eliminate false beliefs, which can only be done in real time, in real situations with real other people. Unless, of course, you're willing to recognize from the get-go that all your beliefs are false. But otherwise, they have to be tested in the arena of karma. So, the various realms uh, and circles of hell that Dante describes are very easily uh, brought into correspondence and congruence with the various, uh, let's say, levels of chakra one and the first assemblage point and chakra two and the second assemblage point, etc. But uh, the hell realm itself is, uh, is not able to be left behind until one has come to the very conscious recognition that one cannot trust one's own beliefs. It's, it's this hubris, this narcissism of, of believing one's story and of uh, refusing to back off or consider that other stories might have equal validity as well as equal invalidity so that one can begin to play with these various stories and not be stuck in one position and unable to be considerate of other positions as having their own uh, equal right to being a reality tunnel that does not have to correspond with one's own. <clears throat> but the wisest of the wise, of course, get out of all the uh, tunnel visions and refuse to harbor any beliefs, certainly no beliefs about the other, no judgments about the other. 
but are willing to walk in the other's moccasins long enough to understand why the other might have a belief that seems very strange and incompatible with one's reality, which if done without prejudice and without uh, considering it uh, outlandish or in some way peripheral to a more central truth, then one can always find in it and trace back through anyone's belief a path that leads directly to the Absolute. So there are wormholes to get out of the inferno without having to go through a long stretch of purgatory. This is basically what the point I want to get across, that although Dante thought that these three realms were to be traversed in linear succession. In fact, everyone is always in all three realms simultaneously, at least so long as there is an ego that is functioning. Your ego, its natural habitat is the inferno. It actually likes the inferno. It gets enjoyment out of its suffering, the other's suffering, the, the vengeance and the self-righteousness and the overcoming the negative uh, projections of the other at the same time as uh, affirming the negative uh, self-attacks that come from within one's own mind. All of that brew of a constant uh, uh, self-immersion in a, uh, a dualized uh, conscious made of the ego and superego figures in, uh, in relationships that vary from envy and hatred to desire and lust and, uh, and, and demonic imitation of jouissances that, uh, that dare to go beyond the, the point of no return and flirt with death and madness it's this uh, urge, this impulse for the intensity that only jouissance can bring that can overcome the boredom and the despair and the nihilism of the ego for a moment and sparks it into some kind of pseudo-living semblance because uh, of its being threatened through its own actions. Uh, with uh, annihilation from the other because it cannot bear to annihilate its own delusion. And so the hell realm is self-perpetuating as a punishment for being in the hell realm one perpetuates one being in the hell realm. However, once the realization at, uh, has taken you beyond that level and there is a clear understanding that you want to get out of dodge and dodge the bullets of the hell realm that are constantly being shot at you and by you, that you want peace instead of war within and without, then the purification of the false belief systems that underlie the karmic repetitions of patterns of self-defeat and of sadomasochistic engagement with the other that produces ever more bondage and guilt and shame and the weight of uh, 
of sin and failure and defeat and all of those melodramatic uh, elements that the ego loves to have to deal with so that it can eventually prove it can do the impossible by overcoming these tremendous obstacles. And uh, finally, like Sisyphus, get that stone up the hill and keep it there. But no, it will always roll back down once again. So it's this game that the ego likes to play that prolongs its delusional lifespan. But a point comes when uh, the game loses its uh, taste. And uh, the, the taste of purification becomes a far more interesting diet. And the, uh, the letting go of all of the, uh, the beliefs that have burdened one with uh, that sense of, uh, of being uh, crucified and uh, tied down to the wheel of birth and rebirth, and like Prometheus, having your liver eaten out by the crow or the raven, I forget what bird they used, but uh, it wasn't a very uh, fun picnic he was on for stealing fire from the gods. But why steal the fire when it belongs to you? You know, and why go through all of this uh, uh, demonic phase of the hero's journey in order to uh, prove, after all, that there is a spark of goodness and divinity uh, within you? Or to try to disprove it once again and again in order to uh, prolong, again, the engagement with uh, the battle of light and dark that uh, creates so much intensity of emotion and produces a life that is always lived at the highest strung possible vibrational frequency of chaos, not of the frequency of bliss, but of, uh, at the edge of chaos, where at any moment one can have a meltdown, a breakdown, a breakthrough, uh, a, a liberation, or a total demise into the quicksand of maya from which one can never come out. And it's this undecidability of one's fate that keeps one interested in one's life. <laughs> and otherwise, the ego would be totally meaningless, and uh, and its pointless existence would become all too obvious. So, at the purgatorial level, it becomes much more interesting to learn about the ego, to become a master of egology, and to get your PhD in uh, studies of perversion and psychosis and neurosis and understand uh, you know, what you've been uh, doing in vacation land for the last number of years. And so uh, once you start to vacate that hell realm and get to know it uh, from a distance, and you can only know it from a distance, uh, then the, uh, the distancing itself morphs into wisdom and power because you're no longer directly within the gravitational field of the ego, and now you're being pulled uh, by the soul toward the higher levels of consciousness. And as that pull of both the epistemophilic drive and the upper death drive 
uh, take over and the upper debt drive, I should add at this point, that your debt to your own uh, divinity, your own Buddha nature, your own uh, uh, Shiva hood that has been waiting for you to reach the zero point once again and let go of all these uh, oscillations of consciousness. Should I, shouldn't I, she loves me, she loves me not, I want this, I hate this. All of these dualities that the ego constantly busies its mind with, when all of that finally lets go and one knows what peace feels like. And the expansion that comes with uh, stopping all the rumination on the shoulds and shouldn'ts and the whys and wherefores and the self-damnation of the consciousness's own recognition of its uh, masturbatory thought patterns. The purification amounts to the de-eroticization of the symbolic functions of, of mind so that they can be sublimated from their contamination with a power drive and a sex drive and a security drive and a drive for uh, for rebellion against the law, uh, the evil law that is itself crime incarnate, which is true at the ego level. It is in Kali Yuga. Uh, and so one can always justify the rebellion. But the rebellion itself is uh, the commission of the same crime as one is complaining about. One is only envious that some people have the power uh, to order executions in Iraq or other places, whereas you can only perhaps give a tiny insult to someone in a local space situation. You know, how petty. We want the big crimes, you know. So uh, the, the ego is always wanting more power so it can act more criminally and uh, with more self-righteous justification get vengeance for all the ways one was mistreated in one's own childhood. But once there is a purification of this through a recognition that the logic of reality itself has required one to go through these processes as a result of the balancing of karmic forces, that this is part of the perfection of uh, the, uh, the explicate order that must uh, balance all the accounts, even though you may not realize that you owe something. The karma itself will show that. And in the acceptance of what is, without hating God for putting you through whatever trauma it was that really you asked for and that you had to experience in order to learn something of great importance, one finally lets go of the demand for special treatment by God, and one begins to earn one's way through the cosmic uh, hierarchies and defiles of the labyrinth in order to make one's way uh, to freedom. And it's this recognition that uh, everything that is good must be earned. It can't be uh, discovered or, or or robbed from another, or gained by gambling uh, efforts, or done through any other shortcuts. Uh, 
And it's this that then keeps the soul honest in the, uh, the gradual trek up the mountain of truth to Paradiso. And it's here when the mind, through that purgatory uh, process, will have been purged of all of its beliefs, all of its opinions, all of its judgments, all of its projections, and one will end up with shunya mind, not to use it in a personal way, but the mind must be emptied. The mind must become that zero point of total openness that can contain in a, a paradoxical synthesis all possible uh, reality tunnels and all possible versions and permutations of the grand delusion that every ego is subject to. And by uh, being willing to accept them all fully, radically, without proving them wrong and, uh, and lesser and inaccurate and, and, uh, and, and without uh, uh, creating uh, suffering uh, for the other or for one's own uh, egoic or bodily existence, then the, uh, that emptiness can then finally be filled with the blissful presence of that supreme intelligence that was always who you really are, but that you had to learn the hard way by recognizing what horror it is to have forgotten who you are and what you are, so that you would never forget again, and thus give yourself the gift of liberation from having to go around this wheel of rebirth another time. So the paradiso is the emptiness that is always already present behind the fluctuating ego torment. It's always there. And the booty that is the hinge between these two levels of reality that functions as the the purgation mechanism, is always recognizing the inauthenticity of the ego and the enjoyment of uh, its negativity and of its uh, attempts to gain power and gain prestige and gain all of the other adorations that one didn't get in childhood that are always once again squashed inevitably. Right, so the phallus is only there to be castrated. It has no other function. And it's only when one has uh, finally let go of that attempt uh, to, uh, to prove uh, whatever it is that one needed to prove in order to, uh, to accept oneself uh, as uh, being worthy of entering the gates of paradise. Uh, that uh, finally... Uh, will have to be less, let go as the last mythical barrier that one uses in order not to merge back into the infinite consciousness, which means the death of the ego. And so before one enters the, the paradiso, there is a grief, a grieving process that one has to go through. The, the vairagya a state is a state of dispassion, but it's a state of the grief of having lost one's right to passion. And, uh, and it's that uh, that 
most people don't go through because the loss of passion is far too threatening to the ego's uh, existence. That literally makes up the fibers of the ego's nature. And even the, the nature of the soul that in its sutratmic trajectory from one life to another is seeking to have, have a life with the maximal intensity of experience in order to be able to, uh, to learn the most and uh, to discover uh, what are the limits, if any, uh, both of degradation and of divinization. Uh, they, are, they are both laid out uh, with equal interest for the ego. And it's the inability to decide between the two and the final grief of having to let go of the intensity of the, uh, the sensory uh, dimension of existence that is the death of the ego that allows the rebirth in the paradise of uh, the real self. So we go through this journey uh, in time, uh, slowly or quickly, but that is only at the level of appearance, because we are always already in Paradiso. It's simply a matter of, of overcoming our having forgotten that in order to have the intensity of experience, because you can't have them both. If you have the realization fully of the bliss of the self, then there will be nothing left uh, to enjoy the experience of the intensity of hatred and uh, uh, lust and attachment and all of that. So the, the choice that must be made to let go of the, the demonic enjoyment in order to enter the angelic and the, uh, the luminous uh, ocean of Buddha nature and lose one's individual specificity and particularity that one defends with such intensity of, uh, of, of love uh, for the ego. And the more that the ego suffers, the more one loves it, because nobody else loves it. <laughs> and so you have uh, made that the, the one object of desire for which you can be consistently uh, uh, a supporter. And uh, it's finally the letting go of that that, that <clears throat> leads to the paradise that then will redream itself as an actual world and a new cycle of time will begin. And yet, nothing has really happened at all. But the holographic pixels will look different to those who uh, have bodily forms that are still contained within. Uh, the holographic field. But the field is an empty field. The field is only light. The pixels have no mass, no reality other than your own subjective perception. You project the world. You don't discover it. But having forgotten that you are projecting it, you discover again the truth that you are not actually in the world or of it but that that world is within you as your own dream. And it's when that realization comes <clears throat> through the dispassion for the course of the dream and the passion for the awakening from the dream uh, have reached a tipping point 
such that the awakening is unstoppable, that the dream itself then morphs from a nightmare into a beautiful uh, emergence of the archetypal beauty and goodness and uh, delight of creation itself that is inherent in our hearts, waiting to blossom once again. So all of that as a preamble <laughs> to say that uh, because you're already Buddha and you're already the God Self, uh, you don't need to struggle. You don't need to make this a difficult, melodramatic uh, uh, work of overcoming impossible obstacles. But if you choose to do that, uh, take responsibility for the choice. And, uh, and know that it is a choice. And uh, get to understand why you would be making such a choice. And once you have uh, understood that you do have the power to make a different choice at any moment, then the, the clarity of the real situation that you face, the, the real scales in which your soul is being weighed, uh, have to do only with your own preference for hell or heaven. And once it's clear which you prefer, then it's that which will appear. But you can't keep a hell realm identity and be admitted into heaven. So if you have an identification with an ego that would not fit in very well in heavenly circles, then you might want to change your costume in order to get past the guards. St. Peter looks very carefully and uh, if, you're, uh, if you're dressed properly, you know, and uh, have the right attitude, uh, you're in because it's your home and you belong there. And, but otherwise, um, there will be a repulsive anti-magnetic uh, force that will keep you from uh, getting to the gate. So I hope that's good news to people that you're not victims mm -hmm. and that uh, whatever uh, traumatic residues you're holding on to are simply souvenirs that you treasure too highly to let go of but have no uh, force field of their own that attacks you from some independent self-standing demon that has it in for you. And it's also true that in every moment a change happens in the sense that the you who appears in one moment is not necessarily the same you that appeared in the last moment. And that's what you don't have control over. Okay, Because the ego has become so complex with so many different dissociated threads of consciousness, with different phantasmatic desires for uh, different scenarios to uh, have to, uh, to encounter and deal with, 
one never knows which one is going to be activating the pixels in the next uh, uh, moment of the of the waveform shifting and oscillating through time and in each one a, a different aspect of oneself can become apparent and others will go into eclipse so there is no consistency of uh, self-appearance as well as of world appearance and it's this lack of consistency that if it's not recognized as being part of the process of the, uh, the, the film of reality uh, moving forward with its um, indeterminacy principle fully uh, operating, then uh, one uh, has no <clears throat> uh, capacity to keep a central through line regardless of the kind of ego or the kind of emotions or the kind of uh, signifiers that happen to be appearing in your mind at any moment. But when you know, you are the pure awareness of those mental contents and not defined by the mental contents, then you remain changeless throughout the inconsistency of mental uh, action and reaction and you remain able to discharge the uh, the negative uh, affects and symptoms without creating suffering for yourself or others and simply through the refusal to believe in any of these impulses and thought forms they become extinguished and you are liberated from them without having to do anything, without any struggle. To struggle is already to enter into identity with what you are struggling with rather than recognizing it as a dream from which you have awakened. So that's the easy path and there's no need to make it difficult. That's all I have to say about it. Uh, before I go on with other elements of our satsang tonight, does anyone have any questions about this? No? I knew it. Oh, no, you, of course, you're going to have a question. Um, well, being someone who has quite a bipolar personality, which I know you said every ego does, what is happening? Is one flipping from hell realm to some... Like, it always surprises me how minuscule the difference can be from day to day. Well, you know, okay, so mine and maybe phenomenal plane things were a little bit different. I maybe got an extra hour of sleep and this person was nicer to me. Or, you know, mm -hmm. there's those silly things that can make a huge difference sure. in the feeling state. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. Which is ridiculous. Sure, well, the ego is ridiculous. But it's good that you realize that, that it's, it's flipping and oscillating from one assemblage point to the other. You have no control over it from within the ego. And from one minute to the next, you'll be a happy person or very angry or unhappy or sleepy or whatever. And uh, you just watch these changes happening without any way to control it. You can't control it until you understand what are the thoughts that are underlying each of those appearances and recognize that they're based on false beliefs. 
when once you choose not to believe them anymore, then their symptoms that are the states of affect that arise will stop. And, the, and what will remain will be the highest level that, that has the fewest of those negative beliefs. And then you'll see that even those beliefs are holding you back from going to even higher states of happiness. And then you can trade those in also until you're finally willing to be free of all beliefs. And then that's, that's when you know what paradise is. Mm -hmm. Saying that the easy path is watching as the projections arise, let's say, and just they, the, the stupidness will continue, but you won't be a, you won't be identified with it, but it will continue. Well, let's say it'll continue, but you will enjoy it. You'll see that you, the sense of humor that God has put into this whole ridiculous scenario that you're in. And by beginning to laugh at it and not taking it seriously, then you have shifted your relationship to it and you will no longer uh, entertain those ridiculous situations uh, because you know you're not stupid and you know you don't deserve to be in that, right? But as long as you believe, oh, that's my fate and, you know, and I need to do this and have this, and, right? That, that whole uh, hysterical desperation to try to get something that doesn't exist will continue to, to function. But once you recognize it to be delusion, and you can laugh at the delusion, uh, you, you are halfway out of it. And when you ask, well, who is it who's aware of the delusion, then you'll find a being of truth who is uh, laughing and who is already able to extinguish the reappearance of those events. Okay. So, so it only repeats so long as you still have something to learn from it and you, you, until you have fully decided to let go of, of holding whatever opinion or belief it is that has caused that to have to appear. And once you're willing to let that go fully and completely, then you're free. Now ultimately, you let, want to let go of the I thought itself, not any of these other encrustations on it, and then you're free of the whole shebang at once, right? That's the quick way. But even if you peel away some of these other uh, more peripheral beliefs that create occasional suffering and torment and all of that, uh, you, you, that freedom uh, is, uh, comes with extra willpower to be able to go even, and let go of even more of the falseness that was constituting a, a sense of certainty that you were holding on to. And you have to be willing to be in the unknown and be okay with that uh, in order to be free of having a repetition of the past occur again. Mm -hmm. Are beliefs the same as judgments or do judgments come from your beliefs? Yeah, they're all judgments, but some judgments are judgments about a person, you know, or about a situation. Other beliefs uh, may, may be about yourself and what you're capable of or right whatever that you may not even know you're holding as a belief because they're just so normalized and usually subconscious that uh, you just assume that's me right but it's not you it's a belief about you and that belief makes you never able to know you as you really are 
All you can know, once you have beliefs about yourself, all you will ever know is those beliefs. And whatever happens in your world will be a self-fulfilling prophecy that proves those beliefs are true. But it will also create karma that will show you that the belief isn't really true because it's creating an unhappiness that is caused by uh, a, a conflict uh, created by that belief. And then when you realize you don't want to be in conflict, then by pulling off that belief out of the situation, suddenly there's harmony, right? And, uh, and, and then the, uh, the yin-yang can start to dance together instead of trying to destroy each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shunya, you said something along the lines of purification amounts to the de-eroticization of the symbolic function. Mm -hmm. And then you went on to relate this to power mm -hmm. and law. Could you explain what you sure. mean by that? Well, see, the problem when society went bad is when uh, people were appointed to positions like uh, pope or priest or judge or governor or president or prime minister who uh, uh, were getting off on the power that those positions gave them. And then they were no longer acting in those positions from a place of the responsibility of higher consciousness to remain neutral and detached and able to, uh, to function with disinterest in the outcomes. And instead there was a narcissistic enjoyment of the prestige and the, uh, everything that goes with the holding of a symbolic office or a symbolic position in a society or a community or whatever. And, uh, and, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the gradual increase of the uh, perversion of, of one's uh, thought patterns, because the mind itself, your, your language, is learned in an erotic context. And so every thought within the ego has a, a certain erotic core to it, that, that is an underlying desire that this thought is going to gain some kind of satisfaction in at least a proxy form of jouissance of what would be a, uh, a sexual act of some kind, right? Uh, and so uh, because that's always there at a subconscious level, you have a totally corrupt government. You have totally corrupt uh, royals in Britain. You have totally corrupt you know, uh, uh, judges in the judicial systems. Uh, so the, the, everything, the, the priests are, are pedophiles, right? We know all of these things. But how did this happen? It, it, it happened when the, the consciousness fell to that level that it needed a constant jouissance and then contaminated all the social functions that had previously been sacred uh, and made them profane and simply instruments of... Uh, of sadomasochistic enjoyment. Can you explain when you were talking about, I think it was language or this exchange that develops with this erotic um, subtext or whatever, what, is, what does that mean at the level that one is learning it? Like, how, how does that... 
because it's not explicitly erotic, or, or what does that mean? Oh yeah, it is. I, I think when you are learning language from your parents, you're seeing them enjoying punishing you, enjoying you know fighting with each other, enjoying seducing, uh, you're flirting, all the things that are going on. You're a little kid and you see your parents having parties, getting drunk, doing things that are orgy-like and who knows, but these days uh, some very uh, grotesque things happen that children have to witness, right? And so what happens to the uh, legitimacy of authority then, of those who should be the upholders of the law, right? Who are themselves committing crimes. Uh, against their own humanity and, and, and uh, inflicting this on the children. So these kinds of traumas that are created by the parents and by the f extended family and, and then by the, the whole social system that permits it in schools, all of that bullying and, and all of the other uh, uh, horrors that people have to go through in childhood, uh, create uh, a... Uh, a defensive uh, eroticization, both in imitation of it and as a way to avoid and gain the upper hand in a kind of uh, bondage and discipline sort of uh, uh, approach to relationships where you're, you're either the one on top or the one down and, uh, and, and you will use one strategy or another to keep control of the situation, but all of it is fueled by a constant flow of jouissance that you can deny because, oh, that's not what you meant. You were only you know, speaking with plausible deniability about things that uh, uh, had to do with, uh, let's say, real one situations of, of a, uh, a neutral sort, but there's nothing neutral in, uh, in any of the egos uh, attitude toward reality. And so the more you become aware of that, then the more horrified and, and the more able to purify those uh, delinquencies that go unnoticed otherwise uh, to create karmic blowback. Mm -hmm. You started off the teaching by saying that the, you were talking about this uh, structure of the, inf or the uh, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso mm -hmm. being the central myth of Western culture. Mm -hmm. What would be the central myth of Eastern culture? Ah, well, there, there's several of them, but I think that uh, the Mahabharata is probably the, the one that is most uh, in use as the basis of the, uh, the journey of, of consciousness, in India at least. And uh, in China, it's... Uh, it's the mythical system built around Taoism, right? And the whole, the recognition that was there in East Asia of the underlying nothingness that supports an appearance that has no foundation. So their myth is much closer to the emptiness that is the truth of all of this uh, that appears as simply the imagination without basis in any objective reality that becomes objectified through forgetfulness by the ego. So in the East, they're always remembering it, but what happened in the East, the tragedy that happened to Taoism, is that 
the Tao, of course, is, it cannot be named, right? But the Tao is what determines, let's say, the equivalent in the uh, Judeo-Christian mode of the, uh, the tree of, of good and evil, right? Uh, the knowledge of good and evil. The Tao will tell you what is right to do, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. Uh, but uh, for everyone, there's going to be a different Tao then. As soon as you get into the Tao as determining what is right and wrong, you have already lost the truth of the Tao. You have moved from the tree of life to this tree that, of duality. And so Taoism itself, although it was expressly intended to keep non-duality as the, the paradigm, uh, became a, a multiplicity of different non-dualities uh, between which you couldn't choose. So you have the Tao of Poo and the Tao of uh, Business. and right, There's all these books. So you, if you write Tao of and go to Amazon, there's probably a thousand books, right? So, uh, so everybody's got their own shtick of a Tao that they're selling and, uh, and the, the, uh, the purity of that original concept has been lost. In the same way, in, in India, the understanding of Brahman became lost, and then you have all of these gods, you know, that are uh, representations of aspects of them, but now positivized as ego ideals rather than as uh, the, uh, the transcendence of ego. Um, I don't know if it's my imagination or it's just a series of circumstances that have occurred these past weeks since uh, our retreat, or maybe the teachings of the retreat that have created the awareness, it's, uh, it's been there, or maybe there is a real, uh, what I have uh, uh, experienced, I guess is the word, is like an acceleration of this, when you said that the, the flickering of the, um, of the hologram, this kind of um, in, uh, lack of consistency, of constancy. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and just what, what is today, 18 or something? It's been two weeks since we finished our retreat, exactly today. And the coming back into whatever we call a normal life in, let's say, the phenomenal plane. No such thing anymore. It, it, something happened. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, some, I don't know if everyone feels it or is it just me. It's like a disaster. Everything is totally chaotic. You speak to people uh, back in Kali Yuga. Uh, people say some something one time and then uh, the opposite. I mean, it's yeah. just. I mean, we're on the verge of World War Three. The day after we came mm -hmm. back from the retreat, it's. Yeah, it's. it's right. Well, I, I've been talking about that I for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> not news. I mean, hopefully I have awakened to it. It's always been there. I'm just look, seeing it now. But I also feel that something is accelerating. Of course it is. It's exponentially accelerating. But exponentially. Yes. And, and, uncontrollable. Yes. And that will continue. Right. I so that's why I'm saying fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts. Yeah. If you, if you get in train, that's what I feel, is you get in train by this... this uh, current that is unstoppable of, of madness of complete mm -hmm. inconsistency incoherence you mentioned mm -hmm. what, yeah. you just you, you're just going to be taken by it you mm -hmm. know that's at least the feeling that i've been uh, well no it's subjective yeah of course every ego is unraveling now life is becoming unmanageable for them they can't deal with their own karma
and uh, they, they, there's a, a lack of willpower, a lack of clarity, a lack of uh, love, and a lack of, uh, of, of any uh, access to truth beyond the ego's delusion, so that uh, it, it, the wheels are coming off of everybody's shtick and everybody's uh, engine of, uh, of intention and, uh, and, and, uh, and people are falling by the wayside and more suicides and, and murders and, and mass murders and, and, and insanity writ large across the planet. And that will continue until Mad Max shows up in person. So uh, don't, don't think things will get better. Uh, not, not until we've gone through the singularity. But yes, you're, you're not mad for uh, recognizing that. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I, I want to speak openly, uh, because this week has also been <laughs> very interesting for me. And, well, you know, like this ego has always been, and I talk about this ego, I'm trying to disidentify from it, but also learn. So, because it's a, an ego that has a similar structure to many other egos that I know, that I now can understand a little bit more. And it's been always an expert on melodrama and <laughs> punishing himself and basically all the things that you have mentioned. You know, and I have come to a point in which I can totally accept that. And I know that I have a challenge and I know that I will overcome this challenge in order to kill this ego because the reason why I'm here. But the less that I want to do is to create a whole mess of the sand, right? You know? And and sometimes I'm very inconscious. But sometimes I'm conscious. Oh mm -hmm. so it's important for me. And <clears throat> so that's what I wanted to say and, and maybe you can give me an advice here in front of everyone. Or a tool. <laughs> so I can work with everyone, everyone can work with me uh, or at least understand at which point I might be projecting mm -hmm. fantasizing. I'm an expert on creating stories. Yeah. Great. I, I think you can use that expertise in very uh, productive ways. But you need to enjoy it with a sense of humor and recognize all of these delusions as delusions. And uh, by not buying into them and being able to laugh at them, the ego will gradually morph into uh, becoming a vessel of this higher intelligence that sees through its game and, uh, and purifies it through the very emanation of love for the ego that you hate or that hates itself, right? So the, the unconditional love and acceptance of the very ego that feels unlovable uh, is its own healing. But that love has to come from within, not from another. And it's always wanting to get it from another, but making sure the other actually dumps you or, or uh, insults you in some way so that you're crushed and all of that. So the, uh, the, 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 the love that heals has to come from your own heart for the ego. And it's that love that will dissolve it back into its higher nature as soul and then as pure spirit. But uh, love is the medicine that you have to give to yourself, and I would administer it many times a day. <laughs> Thank you so much, and for all the times that have been administrated, and this ego, I don't even know I believe the soul, knows what must be done. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of CNCs in this one, and it's important for me to mm -hmm. put it out, because I don't want it anymore. Okay, I appreciate your honesty, it shows your greatness, and you have the sword of truth, 
you will be the one who conquers these delusions and shows the way for others to do the same. What's the difference between anxiety and fear? Well, fear is about a specific object or situation. Anxiety is general, right? <laughs> so you can't escape it. And it ultimately comes down to the ego's knowledge of its own delusional nature. And that it can't trust itself or what it thinks or, uh, or, or anything or anyone because it, it has delusional projections on everyone, and, and so it's in a, a total state of uh, the terror of a complete meltdown. But if it melts down, it's actually a blessing, because then your real self will appear. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.